Welcome back to Unfiltered with AMC. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to our new upload schedule. We are uploading on Saturdays now instead of Mondays and in the afternoon instead of in the early morning. Um, just feel like this will work better for everyone, including you guys listening. So welcome. Um, as you heard, we have a new guest today, and that is Ken. Warm welcome to Ken. Round of applause. Yeah, Ken, welcome to the show. Glad to have you on for the first time. Uh, thank you, thank you. So we'll get right into it with you, Ken. So, if you could have any superpower, I mean any superpower, what superpower would you have? Would time travel be considered a superpower? I, I would take Yeah, that, that was yeah. mine. That's fine. Like, just yeah, just me to be able to time travel. If that that could be a superpower, I'd choose that. Go forward or back, I guess. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty awesome. That's a very popular one. That and flying. <laughs> so, but I'll I'll take just being able to go back. You know, if I couldn't go forward. <laughs> oh no, we'll let you go wherever you want to go. <laughs> you rule the timeline. So, Ken, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Anything you really feel comfortable telling us, it's up to you. Well, um, I like metal a lot. Real into that all the time, every day. Um, I work out. I build sunrooms. That's pretty much it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Doing a lot of uh, the gent metalcore, like that kind of stuff. What, what are you talking? What kind? Yeah, of- yeah, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Gent's probably my favorite subgenre. If you are one of the people that call it a genre, some people technically don't think it's a genre. They think it's like their own, its own style. Well, it. It uh it originated from a band called Mashuga and they kinda they kinda pioneered that style and it kinda took off and people try people copied it and refined it over the years and they just they they coined the term gent but they didn't like call it they didn't refer to it as a genre. It was just like it was referring to the sound, like the you know, the chunky you know, hitting the strings. Yeah. Real low tunings. And it kind of turned into its own, you know, subgenre, so I considered it one. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. I think, I think it is one too. I mean, but I think a lot of the fans, it depends on the depth of, of how hardcore of a metal fan they are. Do they just casually throw on some bullet here and there? Or do they, you know, really dive deep and get into stuff like volumes or, or ginger, or anything like that. Yeah. All right, that leads us to the next one. 
What is your favorite food? That's a hard one. I'm not real into food anymore lately, <laughs> which is unfortunate because eating is good, and it sucks when you don't want to eat. Um, I never really, never really had a favorite dish. I guess. I mean, you can't go wrong with steak. Yeah. So I guess I'll go with that. I don't. I should be more specific, but I don't. I don't get like expensive cuts of steak, so I don't know. Hey, I'll take steak. No, I definitely. I get it. Good steak dinner. Steak is good. Mm, potatoes. <laughs> so, if you could have any car, what car would it be? Past, new, anything. Um, that's also a hard, hard question. Like, because there could be, you know, attainable dream car or unobtainable dream car. Just give us both. Um, I suppose my very obtainable dream car would be just a really nice Fox body Mustang. And probably I don't know. That's a hard one. <laughs> I forget. Cody, do you remember what you said? I don't know if it'd be a it probably wouldn't be a hypercar. Because that's just that's a lot. I was, but, I was gonna say is the A eight still in the running? Or the R eight? R eight. That's yeah, that's always a good one. But I don't know. I feel like there's. I feel like there's better now. <laughs> I just. I don't know. It's. It's hard to pick. You know, like what brand I would. I would want. Yeah. I always thought McLarens are pretty cool, but they have their issues. Yeah, McLarens are pretty neat. I actually saw my first in life McLaren driving on the street the other day. It's pretty cool looking. Yeah, they. They definitely are different looking. There's one for sale um, over where we live in new dealership that went up, uh, I think, last summer. Uh, it was an orange one for about 150k. It looked awesome. <laughs> but uh wasn't there for a very long, couple weeks, so they sold it. Wow. It's pretty cool. Uh, last question for you, Ken. What is one song that you've had on repeat recently just one song that you've been listening to um probably dreams reversed by stealing axion real good band they're one of them bands that every they have uh they do clean vocals and heavy vocals and, you know, they have clean parts, you know, soft parts and heavy parts and technical playing. And it's just all, all, they incorporate everything I love. So every one of their songs is good. Definitely have to check them out. That was stealing of Axion. Stealing Axion. Stealing Axion. 
Okay. <laughs> All righty. Uh, just a little thing. Uh, for you, as you're wondering, Ken is able to play guitar very well. I've never personally heard him play, but from everyone else, I've learned that Ken's a very good guitarist. Mm, I wouldn't say that. Hey, man, I'm no, just no. saying what I heard. Hey, pick it back up. I mean, if we had time, <laughs> you know, we all played, and then you have to work and buy things, and, and bills come, and I think that's just what happens. It's, Life happens, yep. Yeah, he just, I mean, I have itches all the time to break mine back out and play something, but I'm just like, nah, so I don't have the time. Yep, pretty much. Because the time it, you know, you gotta learn something and you gotta shake the rust off, you gotta get all your stuff, so it's just the whole thing, so it's, I didn't even go there. And it's sad because it, it was a nice, fun outlet, you know, hobby that's get you away from like video games or get you away from technology, I guess, for a little bit, so that's probably positive. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I wish I wanted to keep playing. But I just don't have, you know, I got just got too discouraged with, you know, I couldn't figure out any of the songs I wanted to play anymore. It got too hard. Yeah, like, like Era was one of the ones I was heavily into right whenever I quit playing, quit having time to play. And even at the time, whenever I had time, their stuff's like almost impossible to me. <laughs> yeah. It's just swab. I, I don't play instruments, so <laughs> we'll love to learn, but yeah. All right, that brings us into some fun facts. So, it is not possible to exceed the weight limit, which is 70 pounds, of a U.S. Postal Service small flat rate box. Even if you filled it with the densest substance on Earth, you would not exceed the weight limit. That's pretty interesting. So the flat rate. Yep. Any dimension. Um, it does not specify. Okay. But I imagine, probably, yeah. Probably is, yeah. They probably figured it out. Like, what is the most dense? You couldn't put like a solid piece of metal. No, I would. I would think um, realistically. <laughs> Uranium, even though you're not supposed to ship, it would be the densest thing you could put in there. Like the everyday person. Isn't lead really dense? Like I got a block of lead and it's pretty heavy. (laughs) (laughs) No, uranium's heavier per gram, I believe. Oh, no, I I believe it, but lead's a little, you know, it's safer. (laughs) Maybe put it in some plastic or something. Yeah, I mean. I mean, technically speaking, there's stuff that only lasts for a couple seconds. So that's technically the heaviest stuff, but I wouldn't even say uranium's physically possible because if you have that much, it's a crime. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Let's just go with tungsten. Everybody can get a good old piece of tungsten. Yeah, it's 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 like the highest melting point. It's it's pretty heavy, so... And it's non-radioactive, which is... I like, 
Me personally, I like unobtainium. Oh yeah. <laughs> I believe they might have named it. They have uh, one that I believe they just yeah they renamed it. Oh, because they could finally obtain it or something. Yeah, it's called Moscovium now. <laughs> I'll have to look into that, Moscovium. Yep, element 115. Well, I can't it's believe that. Re- was cool. Hey, man. Moscovium, yeah. First synthesized in 2003 by a joint team of Russian and Americans. It's pretty awesome. Super heavy element that has 115 protons in its nucleus. So you're saying that element 115 was also called unobtainium? Like that's the same thing? Yep. I didn't know that. I thought it was a different thing. That same group of scientists found the most recent one too, which is 117. They call it Tennessee. So... They officially put that name in 2016. In 2010 would be the most recent element discovery, which in terms of something that's been around since the 1800s, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. But not to get off topic, we're on a little tangent there in the element world. Fact number two, Microsoft tried a four-day work week in Japan as part of a work-life choice challenge by shutting down offices every Friday. Productivity measured by sales per employee increased by almost 40% compared to the same period of time the previous year. Yep, I've heard that. I guess there's some other countries that do that too. And I recently seen an article, I think that they were – Suggesting to try that in the U.S. See, I'd be fine with that. I think, yeah, I mean, I think it'd be beneficial. Yeah, so I'm, I currently work a 10 hour work, well, 10 hour per day. It's called a compressed shift, compressed work week or whatever, where I work Monday through Friday, um, seven to five. 7 to 4.30 without a lunch. Um, I found it pretty beneficial. I think that extra day off is pretty nice. And the extra day off being a Friday or some other companies will alternate Mondays and Fridays for their teams. Um, having that weekday off is nice because you can get appointments in and, and things like that that you otherwise would struggle to do. Um, and not to mention you have a three days off like that you don't have to work at all it's just your time so i personally like it i don't know if they're talking about that or if they're talking about saying okay everybody's gonna work 32 hours now just eight hours a day and friday we're just done working we're just not gonna work as much you know what are we looking at here i i would imagine probably like 10 hour days yeah i just I don't see that being good if, you know, they're getting less work done. Um, I think that's something right now that's up in the air that they're trying to study that 
you know, a 30 hour employee could accomplish what a 40 hour employee does just due to, uh, they're starting to learn a lot more about psychological effects in the workplace, I think. And, uh, you know, how breaks are beneficial, like those 15 minute breaks that companies sometimes take away are actually being found beneficial to people. It refreshes you whenever you come back, you're ready to go again. Or, um, working through your lunch, you know, if somebody's overwhelmed commonly, I know a lot of companies will encourage you like, Hey, don't do that. Actually step away for a half hour. It's fine. So I, I think with a lot of that stuff coming out and a lot of psychological research in the workplace and mental health and things like that. I think we're going to see a lot of improvements. Hopefully at least. Fact number three, guys, let's move on to that. In 1981, American Airlines offered a lifetime unlimited AA air pass for a lifetime of free first class, class fight, oh, first class flights. For $250,000, you can get an additional lifetime pass for a companion for an extra $150,000. Two of their most frequent flyers cost the airline $1 million a year and flew over 30 million miles. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to pay four hundred k for it, I think you'd... And that's a pretty good deal, actually. I mean, if you think about it, for like the rich people, you know, somebody that has millions or hundreds of millions, like that's a no-brainer. If you don't own your own plane, like first class, walk onto a jet, no problem. You just have infinite airfare. I think that'd be a great idea, except for the airfare, airline. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it works out for the flyer, not so much the airline. Be a pretty good time, just go wherever. Yeah. Be pretty awesome. Alrighty. Lanai, Hawaii's sixth largest island, is owned, well, has a 98% ownership by the co founder of Oracle. Huh. So the guy that created Java also owns majority share of an island? Yes, majority share of an island in Hawaii. Oh, okay. Okay. That's why. Only 2% of the island isn't owned by him. I think the Oracle founders and so people that actually found like Java and and the Oracle technologies, like they kind of go under the radar. They're extremely important. Like without Java, there'd be so many things. It'd be a lot different right now without Java. Alrighty, final fact for today is the Quaker Oats Company financed the original Willy Wonka movie in exchange for the right to make Wonka brand candy bars. So that was all Quaker Oats. Hmm. Um, so do they own the Wonka brand? They're like a, fan, a parent company? Um, it's a good question. I'm not quite sure. I can look that okay. up real quick for you. Yeah, they might have sold the brand because I always thought that was like I feel like Nestle. I don't think it's Nestle, but I I think it's something else. They still Breaker oh. Confections. So 
It was They're acquired by Sunmark. Quaker Oats in conjunction with Lily Wonka, producer of Lily Wonka and the Fact Freshly. The movie was from They had trouble with the formulation. Nestle. Nestle made them and they were discontinued in 2010. Yeah. It's a shame. <laughs> yeah, it was a neat thing, though. It was a neat idea. I remember yeah. seeing them. But now that will lead us into Tech 101. Sounds good. So, yeah, we're going to start off with um, something short and interesting. Uh, it's called Doom Scrolling. I don't know if anyone here has heard of it. Um, it's actually... Would you say? I have not personally, so I'm interested. Okay. Can have you heard of Doom Scrolling yet? Um, I don't. I, I might have heard the term, but I don't know anything about it. I don't think. Okay. So the act of Doom Scrolling is. Okay, let me give you the term here. So the term used to describe the act of scrolling through and consuming excessive amounts of negative news or social media content. It's leaving users actually feeling overwhelmed and anxious. Um, they, there's studies currently that are ongoing that are trying to attribute whether or not this type of activity is causing social anxiety, anxiety, generalized depression, things like that or making those things worse, if not non-existent in people. Um, Doom scrolling, I think, you know, whenever I look at this, I don't think it's always intentional. I don't think you're necessarily sitting there and intentionally like, hey, I want to look up bad stuff and see negative war things and stuff like that all day. But with the news media outlets and stuff like that if you don't if you don't have a news media with a good ai for you that filters out that stuff and kind of has more of a positive outlook and presents you with those articles you may be overwhelmed with those negative outlets from the local news sources or just news sources in general if it's a negative time frame so they're doing a lot of studies and in, in determining that uh, maybe with all the censorship, they need to look into censoring how much uh, negative material is displayed, which I think that might be a better censorship compared to all the other stuff that they've been doing lately. If they could do like a 50-50 positive, negative um you know, news article suggestion for you. I think that would be a little nicer, but obviously giving people the granularity to turn that on and off. I I guess you could say I've been doom scrolling on Instagram, seeing all them posts about, you know, with people getting shot and whatnot. It's kind of died down a bit, but for a while, like all, all that was on my feed was just like, brutal videos like that like you gotta press C video and I would always click them cause I'm always curious <laughs> I like seeing that stuff <laughs> yeah I mean with TikTok big user TikTok that happens a lot I mean you like one video for instance you got those Reddit videos with goddamn Subway Surfer in the background 
and you like one of those videos, your, your timeline for the next 10 minutes is just Reddit, Reddit, Reddit. So the algorithm there just shows you whatever you like. Yeah. So, Which can be good or bad. You can be, you, you might just look up something that just so happens to be negative most of the time just to research it. And now the rest of your day is negative on your phone because of that. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I feel like most people have that issue where you kind of get caught in that algorithm of things where you watch one thing or you view one thing and like it, and then your timeline's just that. So it's not like by choice that people are doing it. It's kind of algorithm-based. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Would be nice if you could kind of modify or even have a little bit more control over your algorithm because people are getting smarter with with these technologies just overall. Um, people understand algorithms. YouTubers all the time talk about it, you know, like and subscribe, help me with the algorithm, things like that. You know, that's true. But people becoming more conscious outside of the IT realm or, you know, trained computer expert realm. I think it's become a more common of a term, the algorithm. And uh, the more that people become familiarized with that, the more um, we could let that in, put that into the user's hands, I guess, instead of just keeping control up at, at the admin level. Yeah, I think the algorithm has caused a lot of things to, you know, come up the way they have, you know, different trends and whatnot, good or bad. Just because of the, you know the way the algorithm works, yeah. So like if let's say let's say I want to do a search on a new medication that's super controversial at the very moment right now, and I go do that search. Now my algorithm is going to have all sorts of like anti that, pro that, different competitors and campaigns and all that stuff. It's like maybe all I was doing was looking that up for school. So I guess, I mean, I could have used like Google's incognito mode or I'm sure you could go back and clear your history. But to an extent, it's like it'd be nice if they could train their AI to recognize patterns and see, oh, this was a complete random search. This is not something they normally search, so we're not going to... That's not going to hit their algorithm. I find the, the algorithm very interesting, especially when it comes to politics. Now, <laughs> you go and you you see something that leans one way, and you like it, and you get that way for the whole time. You just keep skipping it, and something comes along the lines from the other way. Oh, you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then just back and forth, especially for me because I'm moderate, so I really don't form opinions that are strongly held to one side or the other. So my timeline likes to switch back and forth with political stuff, and sometimes it disappears, and I'd much rather it just disappear. Yeah. Depends on the time frame for sure, but I'm moving to the next topic here on Tech 101. There's only two more for this week. Um, 
What do you guys think about the future with wearable technology? And um, by that, I mean, you know, we had Google Glass and everybody considered that to be a failure at one point. I don't necessarily think that was the case. It was just too early for its time. It shocked people. Um, I know one of the biggest controversies and controversial things and elephants in the room I'll address right away is, uh, the first thing people come up with against being, um, anti smart glass, smart wearable glasses, or if you will, is, oh my God, people are going to be uh, taking videos of me or taking photos of me. And, uh, Although that is a very valid concern, this restricting this is not the solution to that because people are already doing that with their phone. I mean, people hold their phone straight out and take a snap photo or video of somebody 10 feet away from them with people watching them. Uh, restricting Google Glass isn't going to do it. It's just going to make people that are more inconspicuous about it. Uh, it won't be as easy for them to do it, I guess, but you're not going to prevent anything that's not already going on. Well, on that point, do they need cameras? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I heard, uh, in China there, there's a school that, or a program that they're, that they've been trialing that has, uh, it, the students have these like chips on them or something and it measures their, like activity levels or like um, attention levels, like if they're paying attention or not and whatnot. And it can monitor some, you know, health things too. And there was like a, uh, like a computer robot looking thing in the class that they like scan or whatever too. And they, you know, they can see the whereabouts of the children. I'm like, that's, it's all kind of scary, I guess. I mean, the more, you know, the more technology like that there is, the less privacy you're going to have. It yeah. is Satan. Nah. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but seriously, though, um, yeah, Jeffy. Yeah, it, we get a trip like, lately. I mean, what's what, what's the uh, what's the objective with it? That's <laughs> the question. So, I mean, if you think about it, we can get to a point where we don't even need computers. Technically, that would be pretty cool. Like just having a I wouldn't even say smart glass. I was like, get rid of that idea altogether, right? So let's move past it. And we already have touchscreen stuff. But what if we were able to just have, like, a piece of glass that worked in a way that – you know, you ever see Iron Man, like the first Iron Man movies, how he has that setup? I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, that would be cool as shit. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, that's basically what be... the glasses technically are. It's just you're not able to interact on that type of level. But I think there's a lot of pros to the glasses, though, that you could look at outside of um, just general societal use. I mean, professional use in the medical world. Let's say um, a doctor walks into um, 300 rooms today during their shift. Through, so they have 300 patients and then maybe a random 20 that they get pulled into during the day or 50 or whatever. Um, let's say you gave a doctor a pair of these smart glasses where as soon as they entered the room and saw the person, the facial recognition of the medical software 
linked to that person's face and the doctor seeing them with their medical record and pulled up like a generalized photo kind of maybe in their left eye on the left side as an augmented reality, not so much of a full on reality change, but an augmented reality where they could overlay information to professionals. Um, I don't want to cut you off, but my question, cause you, you're going to, this is like probably a stupid question for you. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to these classes in, in this scenario, let's keep it in this scenario. What's the connection, uh, the connectivity? Is it Bluetooth in? Like, is it possible for somebody outside of the hospital to hack into that glasses more easily than it would be to get into their emails and files? Well, I think the security aspect of it comes down to the developer and the designer of it. I mean, how do you want to go about it? You know, if you're going to put it in the cloud, you're going to have cloud-level um, vulnerabilities. I mean, there's just that's just how it is. So if you want to go on-prem and lock it down to the local area network and, and just within, behind the modem, what's on-site, I mean, you could do that. But uh, let's see, uh, Hue does it with their, their network. Whenever you get the Hue bridge, it creates like a little network that it's peripherals talk over. And I suppose you could have something like that. Would that be a solution you're looking for? I don't know. That's that's what I'm asking. If that, because you have experience within this field of the medical field, and you know how to make sure things are HIPAA secured. I think that would be like the main concern. Are yeah, these I think, HIPAA secure? I think so. Yeah, I for it to be. I guess for me to feel happy about it, if I were to do it, I would want it to be on-prem and I would have, you know, my on-prem backups and everything I do on-prem with my own network. And, um, yeah, you would have it talk on its own, own network separate from the other networks or main network, if you will. It would just be a network of communication for those. Um, that's very normal in the IT world, like, creating VLANs and things like that. So any, any of our tech gurus listening. Yeah. See, I think outside of that, right. So what you have to look at is people are like oh, wearable technology. It's kind of scary. And then they're the same people you see with the Apple watch is you're already wearing technology. That's wearable technology. <laughs> But let me explain a benefit to it. So doctor walks into a room and looks at you right now and just they know what they know whenever they walk into the room. Maybe they don't know anything. They're blind, but you're having an emergency. You're in cardiac arrest. Okay, your life is on the line right now. So if that doctor just happened to know so the piece of information of why you go into cardiac arrest, maybe there's a unique situation causing that. And there's also a unique fix for it that may actually be simple of a fix to pull you back out of it and prevent it. But they don't know that because they didn't have that augmented reality. Whenever they came running into the room, they had nothing other than what they entered the room with in their own head. And then the charts and the nurses that are yelling information at them and stuff. I mean, I don't know how all the information gets passed to a doctor, but, in a 
life or death emergency situation, I guess in a responsive situation that's time sensitive. I think that's where these things would really shine. Uh, and I mean, that's given a really unique scenario. There other places it would shine is, um, you know, if the glasses always were recording, nothing changes because you, if, I mean, personally, whenever I go out in public, I just assume I could always be being recorded. Yeah, there's cameras everywhere. That's just, I just take that assumption whenever I'm out in public. I could be on film or in a photo or anything. And I probably am many places, many every day. But, um, yeah, I think that's just part of it. I mean, you just got to accept it. People don't like it. Uh, there's a lot of things people don't like at first that they end up finding is uh, super beneficial. So, yeah, I mean, you you cool with going down a rabbit hole? Sure. So to balance off this point, I know they've been working on nanobots that they can inject in you. And this is very very controversial stuff here, because I mean you're injecting technology into somebody. But these bots are able to find clots. They're able to find blockages within your arteries. And then let's say you have these glasses and they're able to relay that data. So in an AR format, you can see that blockage while looking at that person. Yeah, that'd be amazing. So, I mean, there's, I don't see it becoming something that everybody does professionally I see that there's good benefits to it. Like I don't I don't see us walking around in public and everybody has glass smart glasses on. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think. But professionally it has major benefits and it's just mm-hmm. can we find logical ways to get to those benefits? I mean obviously there's gonna be people who don't want nanobots in their body. I yep. get that. I don't know if I'd want in my body, like if they just came out. You know what I mean? <laughs> I you know, I give it some time like any medical thing, but I think that's amazing if they could go in there and they have like fixers that they could go in and maybe prevent a, uh, you know, one of your arteries being clogged up. Maybe they could have bots to go in and, and they clear that up and then they pass through you and just like anything else passes through you and they're gone. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be kind of neat, actually, once they figure that out. I, th- I think there's a long way to go with that, probably. I think nanobots would be a huge thing. If we could actually figure that technology out and make it useful to that point, that's the cure for cancer. Uh, yeah, it would be highly beneficial. Yeah. That's like, something that, all that, stuff. that could Absolutely. literally go in and just focus cancer cells, nothing else, and destroy cancer cells at the root doesn't matter the stage that that would be groundbreaking technology i mean i think they're starting to work with it and it's just will we ever get it <laughs> yeah but you mix these glasses with ai i mean look at the power of chat gpt everyone's been exposed to it heard about it I mean, you, you mix that intelligent power with these smart glasses and the augmented reality. And, uh, imagine some of the captures you've been solving lately. I'm sure somebody here, somebody listening or everyone listening has solved a capture that's like, what is this? It's like, I got a hot dog one the other day. 
they give you like eight dimensional things that you got to look at within each photo to confirm and make sure like the capture takes like 10 minutes for you to solve. And, um, yeah. So what were you going to say? I got one that was pick out the hot dog. There's a bunch of hamburgers with one hot dog. I was like, whoa, never seen this one before. Mine was like, find the cat wearing a shirt of a cat. But there was other animals wearing shirts of different animals other than cats. I'm like, and then the the images were like real low quality and grainy and stuff. And it was, it's hard. They're getting real hard. So that tells me machine learning must be improving to a point where the captures need to be either that or for some reason I'm just being flagged as somebody that looks like a bot, but one way or the other. <laughs> you know why that scares me? What's that? You remember how long we waited to get a PlayStation? The amount of effort? <laughs> If the oh, bots yeah. are getting smarter, that's not good. We're going to be waiting even longer next time. But imagine if you had all that technology, you know, 10 or 15 years down the road, and it's all bundled up. It's all advanced and matured. And you have this doctor wearing this pair of smart glasses, and he walks into a room and immediately with the AI and everything there, it can say, you know, this person's heart rate's this over this. They have a history of this. All of these things in correlation have to do with what is going on right now. And within seconds, that doctor can already have processed and, and, and taken that information in, and he, he's on his way to treating and and doing what doctors do. You know, it's just... IT isn't meant to take over stuff. Computer science as a whole is not meant to ever take things over, even though people are afraid of AI doing that. It's supposed to be there to support other positions and and make other positions more efficient and their life easier. That's the point of it. So anything that does that, especially whenever we start working with the medical field, that's what I really get excited about. Because like you say, like the nanobots, that's just one of many things that's going on. It's awesome. You even hear about like uh, Elon Musk. He has that company for uh, the neurochips that they're doing. And uh, I think that's some amazing research going on there as well. See, I'm good on that one. I don't want to ignore a blink. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, not doing that. By the time I feel safe for them, I'll be old, so. Yeah, but, you know, if you if you went blind in both eyes and you had to live like that for a couple months, I feel like at that point it may become, for some people with your mentality now, it might actually become a reality. Like, hey, this really sucks. If that can actually fix this to an extent, maybe I will do that. Yeah. Just so. see what happens with their trials. Yeah, the, like anything, it's going to be early, and, and it has to be in its early phases. So let's get it yep. done, and here in 10 years, we'll be in the not-so-early phases. 
Um, so anyways, I think that leads us into our last thing for Tech 101 this week. And it's, um, what changes do we want to see with the gaming things we're nervous about and things we're excited about? Uh, I'll leave this off. I would say the thing I'm most nervous about is money chasing. It's becoming a thing. Um, I'm not going to say that's what Rockstar did, but I mean, in the past, if you had something as successful as GTA five, you would have released a sequel to it much earlier than 10 years later. Well, it's actually going to be 11 years later based on the current timeline. But I'm, I'm scared that's going to become a norm where games are just, they're going to push it out and it's going to sit. And I mean, I'm not any less interested in GTA 5 than I was 11 years ago, 10 years ago. But it would have been nice to have GTA 6 by now. Um, and Yeah, it takes too long to make games anymore. The bigger they get, the longer they take. Yep. But on the same with what you just said, I'm okay with that. The same sex that's something I'm excited about is bigger games, more in depth, more detail. That excites me. I mean, yeah, it is definitely exciting. It just sucks to wait for them. Absolutely. I mean, another thing that excites me is new technology coming into gaming. I mean, VR. I would say it's leaving its early stages. And we're, yeah. we're starting to see it more and more. And it's only a matter of time before I would say most households who are now in console gaming also own a VR gaming setup, which will be interesting to see. Like, I know they have shooting games there now, but imagine playing GTA in VR, imagine playing COD in VR, stuff like that. Yeah, like with one of them, you know, the full setup where where you got the the pad that you can like actually run on and whatnot. Yeah, that'd be crazy. It's I wouldn't say it's too far out. I mean, that type of stuff that excites me about it. I mean, the other things. It's just waiting for that new genre. I mean, you look back, we didn't have much in terms of Battle Royales five years ago, six years ago. Actually, I think it might be now eight years ago. Getting old. When PUBG came out as the first official, this is how the game goes. It's Battle Royale. So... I feel like that, as we've said many times on the show, is in its dying phase of less people are playing Battle Royale, so they're just waiting for that next big thing. And it's, what's that next big thing? <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited for that to come out, because that's always a good time when you have a novel idea come and take the forefront, and it's done well, and you get hours and hours of gameplay out of it. Yeah. Those are the good, those are the good types of games where you can just get you know unlimited hours out of it. Pretty much, you always have something to do. I feel like 
GTA 6 is going to be that game for a little while. Not that we ran out of things to do in GTA 5, but we've done most things that you can do on GTA 5 at this point. But 6 yeah. is going to take that forefront of being the game where you get hours of gameplay out of it. Oh, yeah. For sure. For I years heard, to come. Yeah, I, I just seen today that they uh, are apparently going to be adding other cities in single player over time. So that's pretty crazy. I don't know how they can pull that off. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've talked about Boundless on here and the smooth server transition there. If they're able to get that down, but on well, Boundless at its max at a thousand people, you're talking about tens, if not hundreds, of thousands of people on the game at one time. If you're able to get smooth transition through servers on that. That would be awesome. I think that's something I think we talked about on one of our earlier episodes is if GTA was able to do the multi-city view and be able to integrate that into a multiplayer model, which I don't think we're there yet for the amount of people it would have to handle, but maybe seven. It would be awesome to be able to go, all right, today I'll start off in Los Santos and then we'll go to Vice City, then we'll go to New Yonkers. And just be able to hop. I mean, we've had airports in every single game up to this point, basically, where you see commercial jets, but you can't interact with them. To be able to interact with them and just buy a ticket and go off to another city would be awesome. Yeah. You go up in a plane, and then it, you know, loads, and then back to the plane, to land, boom. See that that just that's crazy that they're starting to test with it because it's it's been an idea I know that they've tossed around a lot previous to five talking about five being the biggest map maybe we have multiple maps but now they're actually going forward with that I know Rockstar has grown a lot in the past ten years so I I. Don't expect six to be worse than five in any way possible. There's also the spinoff everywhere to be excited about with uh, an ex rock star. Uh, I can't remember what he was. He was high up. Leslie Benzies or some whatever his name is uh, created. What is it? Uh, build a rocket. I think is what the name is. Some or maybe it might be more than that, but the game's called everywhere and it's like it's gonna be like a GTA rival pretty much. Yeah, that that'll be cool to check out. I know uh we had Saints Row in the past. I don't know if that's a thing anymore. Eh, I never really cared for them. Th- that's been just didn't do it for me. Only rival, I think, up to this point was Saints Row. Yeah. That's why they had their own rival. Hopefully they enter and do well. Hopefully they, you know, take their time and and don't rush and and just come out with a good quality product that competes. You need that because GTA Rockstar does run that game right now. Mm -hmm. To just throw this out there as a reminder to any game developer that may be listening. 
just take your time. Don't promise things you can't commit to within the time frame. Just, <laughs> uh, I think saying this, I believe that we would all be thinking about the same game here. Anybody want to take a guess what I'm talking about? If you're referring to things of game being rushed and having bugs? No, game being rushed and 90% of what was promised isn't actually in the game on release. It, it got fixed. It took a couple more years after release to have updates fix these issues. I'm talking about No Man's Sky. No, I never played it. The, the hype around that game was so huge because they promised yeah. such an expansive universe and you'd be able to play with your friends and stuff like that, build a base. and Yeah, I guess they finally delivered after like over a year or two. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Which it, it would have been fine if they came out and said, hey, we need more time to develop this such a big project that's never been undertaken before. I mean, I would have been fine with that. I would have accepted to it better than what I got when I bought the game. Yeah, it's better to take your time on a game and fix all the bugs, get everything straightened out, <clears throat> Bethesda, and then, you know, have a good release, good strong release. Yeah. As a gaming community, I think we're all understanding of timelines and how things could take more time than previously thought than we are to waiting and then it coming out and just being a horrible experience. Yeah, exactly. We want to prevent that as much as we can. But no, I, I hope more game developers learn from others' mistakes and don't make those mistakes. Um, be a good time for Rockstar not to do that. I mean, you've been Working on this game for a while, it should be a pretty smooth release. In the sense of you're coming out with a one of the biggest games ever, it should yeah. be smooth. <laughs> but now I think that wraps up Tech 101 and uh, moves us on to what I would call a conglomerate of. Dark and Unsolved, as well as our main topic for today, and that is where we get into space and stuff that revolves on space travel. And specifically, we'll touch on uh, the Black Knight satellite. So I know, Ken, you had uh, something that you wanted to bring in for this topic? Yeah, it didn't necessarily have to do with that specifically, but it was just a, a theory that I heard the other last night that I haven't heard before. Um, it goes along with, it's about Mars and you know how it used to be a very different planet and atmosphere, you know, long ago and there used to be water on it. And, um, if there was, you know, there's evidence, they're saying that there's evidence of, uh, nuclear, you know, power that has been used like, uh, I forgot what, what the, uh, if you detonate a nuclear bomb, it, there's, it, there's some particles. I think it starts with a Z. I can't remember what they're called, but it, it lets the, there's those particles, uh, become present, present and 
they were like double the amount on, on Earth. So the theory was that, you know, there could have been an advanced civilization on it and they could have, uh, they could have, you know, ruined the world with, you know, nuclear destruction and like, you know, some could have escaped and made it to earth and maybe, you know, maybe that's us. Pretty crazy to think about. Yeah. It's very interesting. While you were talking about, I looked it up and it says it had elevated levels of thorium and uranium. And I mean, they're pointing towards a natural nuclear blast on the surface, which I don't know how that happens. They're the scientists, whatever. If they have that theory and they can work it out some way and figure could that actually happen, sure. But it definitely points to maybe other life being there. Who knows? Maybe that's where we came from. But no, that's a very, yeah, it's a very interesting thing. I know um, I recently saw that they're monitoring two black holes that have been orbiting each other. And they're finally coming closer together. And from what I've seen, this is very anomalous, never before documented. Obviously, only saw the first black hole however long ago. It's more recent. So to be able to see two black holes merge, it might be a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Well, it's not once-in-a-humanity thing. <laughs> so... When is this? Uh, do they have a date? Yeah, I don't. Nah, I don't think they do. I. So yeah. the way we're we're seeing, the probability is that these two black holes already collided. Oh, we're yeah, now true. getting that light. So it's kind of like how Beetlejuice juice works. They don't know when, but they know that star is going to supernova. It probably already has. It's just the light from that supernova hasn't reached us yet. Which, yeah. that'll be a sad day. That will tear apart Orion. He will no longer have that star. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's cool. Um, I also saw something that, in terms of space travel, that there is a multiplier effect when you start reaching the speed of light. So... When you hear of things 9,000 light years away, you're like, even if we travel the speed of light, the people there that are on that ship wouldn't be alive when we got there. So we'd have to make them go to into hibernation mode somehow. But the thing I heard was when you near the speed of light, time itself within whatever is moving that fast slows down drastically. So what might be 9,000 years, those people only age maybe 10, 5, 20 years. Yep. So it's possible. It's just getting something to go that fast on a large scale. <laughs> yep. Yeah, time, it, you can travel into the future like that by a little bit. It's interesting. I'm don't think we'll ever see it in our lifetime, but I could be wrong. I mean, but, I don't know. That's, that's, uh, it's, uh, from what I've 
heard it, you know, it might be almost possible when we're old that they can, get, you know, get to travel that fast. Yeah, well, I've been I've been seeing things here and there about, you know, about it. The only thing we can do is wait. <laughs> I'm extremely excited for it. I think it'd be awesome to have. Yeah, well, the issue is we're all going to be old. We're going to be like, you can't go on the ship because it might be 10,000 light years away and you only age five years, but you'll probably die. <laughs> I mean, people are going to be going to Mars, you know, very soon in our lifetime. So three years. They're going to be wanted. They're going to want to be trying to work on that, you know. I think the goal is 2026. Yeah. So I know there's talks about a moon space station, a moon lab being set up. Yeah, a refueling point and all that. I know that they just tested the first starship and, I mean, it made it pretty far up, but they did have to abort the mission. Due to something going wrong. To get you know even further, we're gonna have to have something out out in space to you know be able to get us further. Mm-hmm. Refuel that. I think uh, what they're talking about is just having Starlink shuttles, where the Starlink goes up, hits a docking point in low Earth orbit, docks, fuels, and then goes on its way to Mars. Kind of neat to have like a network of hubs to kind of take you through the Milky Way. <laughs> See, no I, I watch Star Trek, so like I'm real big into space travel and seeing that stuff. And the stuff that's on that show theoretically is not possible, but the travel and whatnot is possible. I know that, that they're just moving at speeds near the speed of light. And that is possible. Technically. Mathematically, it's possible. But we haven't figured it out yet. But there's other things like, I asked if we'll ever get, um, what's it called? Now I can't think of it. Now I'm talking about it. Ah, a replicator. So on the show, if you ever watched it, they have a thing called a replicator where they'll just go up and order something and that food item will just appear. It would be anything that's programmed into the computer and it just pulls it out. Now I know that's probably not possible because it kind of seems like it's making new matter, which science says that matter can neither be created nor destroyed. Exactly. So maybe it's taking existing matter and just formulating into that. I don't know how that works. It's probably not possible, but it would be cool if it was. <laughs> yeah, that'd be crazy. But now we'll talk about what makes this dark and unsolved, and that is the Black Knight satellite. So I know, Cody, you said you've never heard of this before. No, I have not. So I will pull up a picture for you guys, and for those of you watching, we'll have pictures of this on the thumbnail. I'm going to say now, since I make the thumbnails, top right corner of the thumbnail, that is the Black Knight satellite, quote, unquote. (laughs) So, it is this right here. It was uh, a picture that they captured in 1998. 
And there's theories of it being a satellite from extraterrestrials and being over 13,000 years old. NASA and their scientists say that's just a piece of debris, specifically uh, a thermal um, blanket of some sort for the rocket that is up there floating around. And, I mean, I'm not going to say it's a satellite or it's a piece of debris. Make your own judgments on that, who to believe, what you want to believe. I'm not here to talk about this alien in a sense, but it's just, what if there were ancient technology up there? Do you think that NASA and the governments of the world would allow that to come out? Let's say this is actually an extraterrestrial satellite. Do you think they would admit that right away? Absolutely not. See, prove my point. I'm, I'm pretty convinced they they go to great great lengths to hide, you know, anything they can that having to do with the existence of aliens. I'm I'm on the green. See, I'm I'm splitting the edge of whether aliens exist or not. But in my brain, where I think that aliens do exist. I know for a fact that we wouldn't know until it wouldn't cause the amount of panic it would cause now. And yeah. I want to believe, like I really do. There's so much, like I don't know if you could really call it evidence, but you know, maybe some of it. It's hard to say. You know, people can fake videos and pictures and whatnot. It's really easy, but even you know, not even in modern times. But there's there's always been records of you know beings from other you know other worlds probably all kinds of th- all kinds of records from all kinds of different civilizations like how can all these unconnected civilizations have similar accounts of you know people coming to them from the sky or something teaching you know how how did they get all the knowledge that they had yeah i mean there's arguments for it. There's arguments against it. And I think it's up to each individual to do their own research and define their own stance on each problem. Me, I don't know what to believe. So <laughs> I've done a lot of research into it and there's equal amounts on either side. And it's just, for me, I would have to see it and experience it, which unfortunately I don't think are going to like that because the second we know that there's another race out there who are just as, if not smarter than us, what do, we, what do we need the government for? At that point, we're going to be pushing for us to join them in whatever intergalactic federation they're in. And that's our new government. <laughs> That'll be interesting. <laughs> Yep, it could very well be. But yeah, I, there's things that they've kept from us before, and I mean they're they're getting more open with releasing information that they have on the subject. We covered those Navy taken videos of those objects last week. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I mean, I, I don't know. I wonder why they do that. I think to, if they um, exist, that's their way of prepping. Yeah, see how people take it, you know, kind of start it off slow. Mm-hmm. 
started a drip and then move your way to a steady flow. So maybe in our lifetimes we'll find out the answer. Um, yeah, I'm hoping so. We'll be able to see further. You know, we'll be able to see further in space, and you know, have different technologies to understand things we can't understand right now. Yeah, Cody might be able to go on a spaceship before he's eighty. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. I'd love that. <laughs> the experience of being on a spaceship would be amazing out in space. See, I think. What's really see the things that they have to figure out for everything to work out is you have to figure out fake gravity though. How do you emanate gravity inside of a vessel? I think that's something that uh, they may be able to produce gravity. I, I think I'm not sure. Yeah, I know it has to do with magnetizing the ship and kind of having poles that equal. I know. I know the people that, you know, the stories of the people that have supposedly worked on crafts say that they can generate their own, you know, gravity. That they're not, you know, they're, they're moving the, I don't know how to explain it. The way they move, like they're, they're in like their own bubble kind of when they, when they move through space and air. It's all interesting. Manipulate <laughs> gravity. See, it would be cool because you feel like it would be like being on a cruise. Not even because cruise still moves. It'd be like going on a car ride without potholes, which we can't do in our state, but <laughs> just a smooth road. I don't even know because you could be able to walk around to the stars. Like the smoothest cruise ever, I would say. I don't think there's turbulence in space. I could be wrong. <laughs> well, there's no air, right? Yeah, there's no air, but we've never been there, so we don't know. <laughs> we don't think yeah. there's anything that could cause turbulence, but that's when we go out there, we find out. It's like driving through a damn thunderstorm. <laughs> fix your damn space potholes. <laughs> I think it's really interesting though, that they um I've never even heard of this. Like in all the and I read a lot about space, but I've never heard of this. So that's I don't know how that's slipped my research, but it has. I think what makes it such a compelling thing is the image itself. How the object looks in the image. It just looks yeah. like something from a different civilization. I didn't realize that they, it came it came around that long ago. When did it leave? I don't know. I haven't. It doesn't say anything about it leaving. So. Unless this is unless I'm thinking of, of a different thing that's shaped like this. It was a cigar cigar shaped thing. I thought it was called that. It might have been called something else then. It might have been a separate thing. That I'm thinking of. I think it, I thought it was only like around for a couple of years. I, I don't see anything past 1998 listed, but you never know. It might just be something that they avoid showing from here on out. I know when they used to have the live ISS feeds, 
if anything was shown entering our atmosphere or leaving it, they used to cut the feed, <laughs> which caused a lot of controversy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, very suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> so, whether or not it's just space debris and who knows. But, no, I mean, the more and more your time goes by, the more we'll figure things out and the more we'll know. The Black Knight set. I just, you may have heard of the, uh, what is it, the, um, the Brazilian Roswell, they call it. I have not heard of it now. No. I just, I, I've heard of it, but I never heard about it until, uh, I think I watched it video yesterday. Um, and there was these, there was these three girls, all sisters, who were, uh, and this was in Brazil. And uh, they were in like a, a field area or something like that, like in a neighborhood. And they came across and apparently they were like eight to 10 feet away from this thing. But it, apparently they came across just like creature and one of them locked eyes with it. And two of the sisters ran away and the other one just kind of stood there frozen. And then they eventually ran away or it ran away. And there was like a, putrid stench like so strong in the area and they a couple hours later military found it or whatever like there was there was you know military looking for something you know abnormal and they ended up finding it like a guy apparently like grabbed it with his bare hands and they put it in a body bag they took it to a hospital around there um you know, a bunch of military, you know, trucks came into the hospital. You know, everyone was armed. They had a doctor take x-rays. They didn't open the bag. He couldn't see the, you know, they took it right after it was done. He didn't see anything. He didn't know anything. And then they got it out of there. And it, you know, the there was a putrid stench there too, like terrible. They said it was like a skunk times like 100,000 or probably even more. And it stayed in the hospital for like a, like a couple weeks and they couldn't get it. They couldn't get the smell out, but, uh, they apparently the U S military, the uh, USAF came in and they took it and they took it back to the States and that's where it goes cold. Hmm. That's, that's very interesting. Yep. Some type of creature. Wow. People to come forward about it. Like there's this guy that like tracked down the, uh, I think the mother of the daughters or something. And they tra- he tracked down the doctor and like, it, it, he's trying to get it. You know, he, he got some things out of the, you know, he heard the story, but he won't, you know, he's trying to get people to come forward and they won't do it. It's something I'll have to look into. Yeah, I'm really curious about that now. <laughs> so, but yeah, I yeah. think that rounds us up for the week. I think that's the week. So, big thank you to Ken again for coming on. Very much appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. definitely hope to have more and um, 
it's been good. So thanks for coming on. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, liking the video, everything you guys do as always. Just like subscribe, hit that notification bell and we'll see you all next week. This is Cody signing off. We'll see you guys. Peace out.